did it, guys. I think for nice. our Friday episode. Yay. I was thinking of something that would be like really cool. If I were an art person, I would have made this shirt. Uh, well, not a long time ago, but if it were, if I wanted to be timely with it, it would have been made a long time ago. But I just thought of it like right before we were sitting down to record that it would be a T-shirt with Sam and Gilly. You know how they have those uh, mix-up or mash-up T-shirts with like Game of Thrones and other stuff mm-hmm. um, and all that stuff. Well, I was thinking of. Sam and Gilly walking in the woods carrying little baby Sam, and they come across the the clearing of trees from Nightmare Before Christmas, where all the different like towns are and the painted trees. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I I thought that I would uh, I would like to see a shirt of that someday. We'll make make it happen, Eric. Yeah, the world is your oyster, my friend. <laughs> I guarantee you that somebody listening to this show can make that happen for you. Yeah, because like, where did the White Walkers come from? They could come from another one of those trees, right? You and your mashups, man. This is like the Kingslayer Bros. I'll tell you where it came from. You're going to thank me for not Uh doing what I was thinking of originally, (laughs) which was to open this episode by singing, what's this? (laughs) There's white things in the air. Because Uh I knew that we had to focus a great deal (laughs) of today's portion on the snowy north. Mm -hmm. Uh Well, as people may have noticed uh, at this point, uh, Zach is not with us. And, uh, yes, I'm now running with scissors. Yes, Eric is running the show, which is a very scary thought. Uh, this, this tends to be a, an adventure <laughs> for many of us, including you listeners. You're, you're not alone as Kate and I will, um, go on this, uh, trip with you. But, uh, you know, Kate, Eric and I decided that, you know, we're recording this in the evening and, and what better way to spend time with each other than go for a nice little walk up to a place called Craster's Keep, but Zach was a little bit afraid of going. Um, he had heard bad things happen there, so uh, he entrusted the three of us to go up there and report back to him. Which we said we would do. You know, we're his friends, right? We want to set his tensions at ease and all that, so we'll be reporting back to him, uh, and he'll be back with us uh, at the beginning of next week for the next episode. Guys, I you know, I think we talked a great deal about this, uh, this episode, um, first of his name, on... Monday, except for this Craster scene. So should we just like go into it? Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. All right. Got my snow boots on. Can I make snow sound effects? Oh, can you? Yeah, that's pretty adequate. I, I don't really know what snow would sound like. But <laughs> that's, that's, that's like boots stopping in snow. What kick it? Yeah, Micah lives in New York. It doesn't snow there. <laughs> it, it does, not. but you know what? It gets dirty really quickly. People <laughs> don't know what to do. It's, it's a mess. <laughs> well, uh, Kate, I yes. want to harken back to a question that you asked Mike and I, um, do you remember what it was? I absolutely do not. You Please. do. <laughs> you put her on the spot. I'll remind you. I think it's a great opener to start discussing <laughs> okay. this sort of thing. Um, and I will, uh, will, will, due to the magic of editing, we'll pretend that you did remember. Okay. <laughs> I'll just remind you. Okay. Not Here, really. It was the question you asked if we think differently of Bran because of what he did to Hodor and if that, if his whole warging thing changes him as a person or something okay. like that. Do you feel differently about Bran from an ethical standpoint now that he has warged into Hodor and had him actually murder another person. Wow, you waste no time just getting into the meaty, meaty, meaty <laughs> subjects. There. Some real shit. Let's get let's some, get into it. It's some real <laughs> shit. Because um, Hodor killed a man, right? Killed Locke. Yeah. Locke. He did, that reaction like, he was priceless. Ripped his head off, right? Yeah. I saw I mean, that correctly, didn't let, I? Let's talk for a second about the acting on the part of Christian Nairn with that oh, Hodor. Bravo. Bravo. So good. Yeah. I had yeah, chills. Really well done. Yeah, I really did have chills. I'm not just making that up. Um, Hodor like coming to and just looking at his bloodied hands and being afraid of them, you know, and and like basically, I think he felt a little violated, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. He just kind of had his free free will taken away. If you want to get again with the the ethical question, like Bran, because Bran can't defend himself. He allowed Hodor to act on his behalf, but took control of the situation. Exactly. And I know we, one of the things that you said, I think, last time, Eric, was that he had no choice. It was absolutely self-defense. Locke intended to kill him, intended to kill Hodor and do terrible things to Jojen and Mira. But um, I still think that the act of using another human being is a little bit different from, say, using Summer to kill animals. Or even people, for that matter. 
Right. But is, or is it the next logical progression? It is. For... It is. It's like summer is the gateway warg, right? <laughs> <laughs> and now he's going to start working into thought people. of another t-shirt with a smoking <laughs> dire wolf. <laughs> I think it's important though that warg. we see the ability of Bran to warg not only into summer, but into Hodor because Hodor is a human being and mm-hmm. he's much more complex uh, than a dire wolf. And it begs a question. You just brought up natural progression. Is he going to continue to progress in terms of what he has the ability to work into? And I, I think it's a violation that, and, and it's definitely some sort of ethical moral dilemma that he was able to go inside of another human being and use that human being for the purpose of killing somebody else. And I realize that it was self-defense, but I don't know how you can justify if he continues to do these sorts of things, because in a way there, there has to be some line that you draw. Uh, self-defense is fine, but at some point you have to wonder if Bran is going to become a little bit more of an evil type of character. Exactly. Yeah. And this reminds me of another fantasy series that I don't know if, if you guys have read the Robin Hobb series that starts with um, Assassin's Apprentice. No. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I totally recommend it. Um, but basically there's, I, I think I'm remembering the series correctly. There's a, there's a character, the main character I believe is, is a warg or whatever they call it in that universe and has to keep it a secret um, sorry if I'm spoiling another fantasy series here, by the way. <laughs> there's, there's a list. I'm, I'm actually ticking it off on the, the wall behind me. I recommend the series. It's fantastic. But basically, there's the concept of warging in this universe is made very clear that society absolutely disapproves of it. And until I saw this, I was kind of like, well, why? It'd be awesome to be friends with some guy who could warg into stuff. He could like <laughs> take over an eagle and look down and see stuff or whatever. And, and then when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's probably the fear that people have. You don't want to warg warging into you and making yeah. you do stuff that you didn't want to do. Cause Hodor that's... just blacks out. He wakes up and he's got blood on his hands and there's a dead guy there. And he's terrified. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think he has recall of you know, what, what he just did in a way. Exactly. Um, you know, not kind of even like seeing it from like an out of body experience. I think he probably just completely blacked out on his part because another consciousness took over brands. I I mean, with Hodor and Bran again, and with this episode, it's, 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 I don't want to say it's innocent and I don't want to say what's the worst that could have, like, you know, no harm is done because Hodor was clearly terrified. And I think Scarred, maybe even, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe a little too early to tell, but we'll just see if he's, you know, shaking in the next episode. But at least with Bran and Hodor, it's his life, like companion, his sworn guard, his protector, who really would have killed Luck if his own wits were about him in that particular moment. It's hard to know that, though, I think, because you see the way that Hodor reacted to seeing Luck dead and, and what he had done. Not to say that he wouldn't, to the best of his ability, protect Bran from Locke. I just don't know if Hodor himself, without being warged into, is really capable of harming physically another human being. Mm. Yeah. It's it's an interesting question to, to ask. And the other thing that I've noticed now is, is this is the second scene. And we all know that this is not something that takes place in the books, but... It's the second scene where Bran has been really told by Jojen to do this, and he's gone ahead and he's done it. You know, he did it in the tower um, to quiet Hodor when the storm was going on, and it's also the second time that John has been around. You know, only when John has been around has Bran had to warg into Hodor. So I, I think that's a little <laughs> odd, but hmm. definitely something that is worthy to note. I think is just the the Jojen brand relationship and the fact that George wrote or allowed this scene to be wrote, uh, written into the script and to be filmed uh you know that right. it's important to show the natural progression that Bran is is going through in terms of his warging abilities I mean if if he starts with his 
companions, you know, and they're they're all gung ho except Hodor, who we're not sure about. You know, we ask him, "Are you cool with this?" And he just says, "Hodor." Um, it sounds like he's peaceful. Um, you know, they all want to help him on his quest, and so they might not, they might be more open to the idea of being warged into. Whereas, you know, you can see him growing up, and as you say, you mentioned like becoming evil or just taking more of an advantage of this you know, dark Jedi power and starting to warg into his human enemies or even, I'm not sure if I asked this openly before in an episode, but you know, what's the difference who becomes King and sits the throne. If Bran can just warg into them uh, and make policy changes and become, you know, the King of Westeros, just like that. So where's the limit, you know, and, and where's Bran's own character and own moral sense going to stop? Where is his uh, deprived, you know, kind of, he misses the the ability to move around a lot. So, so what's, you know, what's going to stop him from continuing to reign as others and get his climbing in as somebody else? Well, keep right. in mind, he's also a child. So he's acting like a child, but doing what's in the best interest of himself. The other question I would ask from Hodor's standpoint is with Bran's new ability to warg into him, does that mean that we may get the opportunity to see through his eyes and gain a little bit more insight into who this character is? You mean Hodor? Yeah, we know very little about him, but it would be interesting to go inside of his mind, kind of as we see those scenes through Summer's eyes, when you know the direwolf is running around and doing what it's doing. Uh, right. What about doing that through the eyes of Hodor? And And that just goes back to the whole issue of Bran taking advantage and just kind of warging here and there uh, into Hodor. And it's um, it's a delicate uh, topic because you're just going inside somebody else's body and taking full control of them and doing what you please. It is. It's another kind of um, non-consensual invasion that seems to be a theme in this oh, show. Oh, gosh. This is the season for that, I think, Kate. Oh, yeah. You mark Kate set words. it up. Here we go. Talk about yeah. Mirror. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of non-consensual invasion, um, we should talk about Jojen and Mira and Carl um, and and Jojen's incredible line, which I wrote down. So uh, just a, a quick refresher, uh, Carl comes in with his cronies and he's intending to rape Mira, ties her up to the ceiling, and Jojen starts dropping truth bombs Ooh. on Carl. <laughs> I saw you dead. Mm-hmm. Snow all over your corpse. Yeah, he said, my favorite part. And the, the actor, his face when he delivers this line is, is so, it's almost full of hate. Like this this hate on his face. He says, I saw the snow fall and bury your bones. I remember thinking, <laughs> damn, Jojen. All right. It was it was a great line. He had some some terrific lines. But I think the thing I wanted to talk about most here is... Jojen's visions. We always get crap for not uh, analyzing the visions enough. And Jojen had a really interesting one where he sees the werewood and he tells Bran that he sees it. Bran's all excited. Um, He's like, finally, I'm not crazy. This is great. And Jojen says, yeah, there's a pretty tree. We got to go. We got to go toward it. Um, And we're going to help you. We're all we're all here to help you. And then. He has a vision of his own hand on fire, and he it's in reference to his own death. And he's very, very blasé about it. He's like, yeah, this is going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody about it, but I know. And that was that is a very interesting thing to me as a book reader, because that is a complete surprise. I have no idea what that means. I would definitely have to rewatch it. I remember his hand lighting on fire, mm-hmm. and I had to check what I was drinking to make sure that it was completely free <laughs> of hallucinogenic drugs because that that was crazy. It was trippy, though. I love dream sequences like this. I love where it's all foreshadowing and the green sight and things. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have to. He did seem okay with it, you know, and it's it's fire, and that that could mean anything. I mean, he could live a full life, come back as a White Walker, and then have to be set fire to, right? You know, before that happens. So we don't know when, you know, we kind of, that's a little vague as to when that'll happen. I think that um, is, that's a super solid theory. Yeah. Um, frankly, they're in the North. That's how you kill whites. Mm, yeah. It's, it's kind of scary to think about, but 
I've always had the feeling that Jojen knew his fate, and mm-hmm. and if maybe if not when yes. he initially set out from, you know his, his um, father's, I don't even know what the hell to call it swamp. Just say yeah swamp. from the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he set off from Dagobah from Reed Palace uh, <laughs> yeah, to go to Hoth. <laughs> yeah. I, but I think as time has gone on and, and he's found Bran and he spent time with Bran, it's very clear that his purpose is to help Bran get to wherever it is that he's going and to help him along in this journey, Eric, as you mentioned. But there were a couple of references to you know the group going along with him, but there was also some underlying mentions of the fact that really – not everybody's going to make it. And I think Jojen has just become accepting of that fact. And I, I think for a while he's known, and, and you see his condition. He's The closer he gets to whatever this is, the, whether you want to call it the tree or maybe it's something else, the mm-hmm. sicker he seems to become. So you wonder if you know this green sight, where is it coming from? And is it taking such a toll on him that it's actually killing him at the end of the day. Interesting. Yeah, I think for Shoujojin too, you get this, and and that's because I, I haven't read to this point in the books where you really get to see a lot of his character. You get the sense that he's you know willing to die for Bran, and he he chooses or has chosen to be this shepherd who is going to lay down his sword. It's very honorable, like this kid mm-hmm. from the swamp and his sister, who is no less honorable for agreeing to come on this journey. You know, they are both willing to and interested in instructing Bran and making sure he gets to where he needs to go. It's just this whole selfless act of Jojen's. And I think, you know, part of him wants to see and learn all that he can before his time is up about, you know, the things that Bran can do. Um, But he is, I think, bringing more to the table for Bran than Bran is for him at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just kind of a serving you know type of role for him he knows more than he's letting on and that Mm. is definite uh he because he's really the leader in all this yeah bran wants to find the big weirwood tree but jojen seems to have some kind of knowledge that he's just not sharing with everybody right now and Mm -hmm. i think the whole side to this story this supernatural element right that this is kind of the suspend belief part of the story, maybe with the exception of the dragons, you know, everything else that we've really spent a lot of time on, both in the TV show and in the books, is more political. It's more about a power struggle. It's more about ultimately playing this game to who can can take the Iron Throne. And I think somebody like Bran doesn't really care so much about sitting the Iron Throne. Um, And his storyline is more in this fantasy world but it's still all part of the same story which is kind of weird yeah um you know i i like how you can have both these elements of great fantasy and the elements of um you know political um discussion on you know in one book series and certain characters as you say are more um into the fantasy and others are into the politics but with jojen and mira also, in in particular, and pulling, having to pull Bran away from meeting John again, um, and so th- th- there you go, Micah. There's your resolution. I know you asked before, kind of. I wonder if they'll see each other because none of this is in the books. Um, yet again, Bran is you know feet several feet away. John is kicking <laughs> some ass, slitting some throats, mm-hmm. and there's just not. What does Jojen say to him? Something like, you know, if we, he will never let you go north if if you go and see him. So. We have to go. Otherwise, I mean, pretty pretty much Jojen is able to basically say everything is at stake. You must come with me now without seeming so harsh on Bran. Right. And so you have to wonder what the motivating factor is behind that. I mean, yes, John would keep Bran back at the wall and wouldn't let him go north to explore and find this tree. But Wait, Would he, though? Because, I mean, John's a ranger. Like, I know Bran is little less able to be, you know, running around in the woods up north, but with his entourage, like, I feel like a good, a solid enough case could be made for, you know, going back to what we've read on this show, on this podcast, when we read book two, we find that, that John has some working abilities of his own. Um, 
and that's you know from uh, when he met the wildlings and that particular point was cut out of the show but if you want to kind of mix the universes i just feel like bran and john would have a lot to talk about mm-hmm. um which may <laughs> slow them down but they they may see eye to eye on this whole thing so jojen it's kind of like the youthful thing with bran like he likes and allows jojen to be as enigmatic as jojen wants to be right and he admires him for it me i would be like bitch sit down you're talking you're telling me everything we're not going one foot more north until you tell me what you know you know kind of like get in get real like we want to like trust each other by knowing everything and having no secrets versus bran who's just like i admire this kid he seems like he's sticking his neck out for me a lot his sister almost got raped i can trust them right and like it also seems weird that this kid that he doesn't know and who's very mysterious and weird, even though he is seeing the same visions, which I know means a lot to Bran, he doesn't know him as well as his dear brother, Jon Snow. And yet he's, he's so compelled to follow him and, exactly. and listen to him. It, it's, it's, it's an odd choice. Exactly. And I think that that was the point of including that scene is to show that Jojen has some level of control over Bran yes. and his decision-making. And he has for some time. And it seems that, it's going to continue, and John, he's he's feet away. Why wouldn't you go say hello to a brother you haven't seen in such a long time? You haven't seen anybody from your family, with the exception of Rickon, who is now God knows where. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the Rickon, like uh, you know, catch up to figure out where he is. Um, with with Asha, I really, really, really want to. I know. think that to your earlier point, Eric, um, if John knew that Bran was there. I do not think that he would let him go north. I think Jojen's correct because John knows that there's a giant wildling army descending on them. And he knows what the wildlings are capable of. Not to of. mention some white walkers. Yeah, there's those guys wandering <laughs> around. You never know. Okay, so the forces are – so he would say what? Wait it out or something like He would like say that. you're coming with me because Castle Black is the only place you can be safe and you're my baby brother. Oh, Okay. Well, let's talk about John then, because we're all like uh, singing his praises here. John Snow, his brother Lee's, because you know I like about him attacking Carl. I like that he didn't dealt or deal the the final finishing blow, um, or he well he did do the he, finishing blow, he but kind of did. <laughs> I like that he I like that he didn't necessarily win that fight all that well. I think he was in, he was in trouble. Yeah, so he he was saved by the Craster wife, daughter. Crest her wife, daughter, sister. Yes, mad <laughs> niece, aunt, you know. Um, I think that uh, it, it's fitting for John's character that he's not the best swordsman. Um, he's pretty darn good. I mean, you know, there were, what, 11 guys, and he must have slain four or five of them. That's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good odds there. Um, but when it came time, you know, when Tanner, Carl Tanner, came uh, came up to, to kill him, uh, they both exchanged some blows. And so I, I think, you know, Rob was probably the better swordsman growing up. I think Jon Snow has said something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like that he's not just the biggest, most badass, you know, guy in, in the whole show. Um, that he was, we were able to really feel for him in this intense scene. And I think that even the book readers who, you know, didn't know what to expect and may know that Jon lives past this part in the books, you know, would still be like, well, I wonder what's going to happen. Is he going to get injured? What's... You know, you really feel, I think, for John, you're uncertain of the outcome. And that that raises the question. Well, just one comment on, on your talking about his fighting ability. It's important to remember, and I don't think it's as stressed as much in the show, but he did injure one of his hands. Um, you know, it did get burned, and I'm sh- sure there's still some lingering effects to that. Um, hmm. If it, Again, it's not focused on as much, but I do think that that would alter his fighting ability on some level. That's a good point. That was back in uh, book one and season one. Yeah. So, um, you know, not the same type of situation as what happened to Jamie, but uh, he's right. still he's still injured on some level. Uh, so th- I think it raises the question, though, what what kind of position does this put John in? Uh, you know, now that the Night's Watch have recaptured Craster's Keep, they're going to make their way back to the wall, and we know that somewhere out there is Mance Raider and his army. And mm-hmm. so how is this story potentially going to change a little bit, uh, knowing that this scene doesn't take place in the books? You know, is John going to get caught in between Mance and the wall? Normally I would say that you, Mike, have been trying to foreshadow that that w- exact thing would happen the last <laughs> several episodes. Because you keep saying, what's going to happen? They're going north again. And people are going to say, but 
like any of my doubts have since gone because they are burned down Grasser's Keep and they have lit the biggest fire that the North has seen in a while by burning this entire homestead. And I think that that was stupid because it would probably draw a lot of attention from anybody nearby, wouldn't you say? It's possible. And and let's remember that Mance's army is not just a couple of hundred people. It's pretty expansive, and we're assuming that he's going to look to attack the wall at multiple points. And my question, though, was does John, on his journey back, get into a little bit of trouble before hopefully being able to get to the other side of the wall where Castle Black is? Uh, because let's remember, he's going to have to fight a war on two fronts. He's going to have to fight Mance on the north and the wildlings that have assembled on the south. And he's not in the best position to do that. Right. Well, he's cl- he's just closer to one side than he is the other. I mean, if there are wildlings on both sides of you, you're just going to have to do your best no matter what. Right. But like, I, I think all the crows He's are on the side that, that has more people. <laughs> <laughs> times like a thousand <laughs> and I, dead I actually don't think that his voyage back to the wall will be eventful in fact i doubt they will even they'll even show it um because and the, the reason i think this is because i this whole uh set of scenes was manufactured to give you that sense of just having missed the family reunion and so you, so you think it's again just I do. About Brandon Jen. I do. I think it was intended for you to see just exactly how close the two of them were after all of this family tragedy and the messed up stuff that's been happening to everybody. They, we could have had these brothers reuniting. They could finally be together. And I think the show really wanted to to hammer at home how impossible uh, it, it's, it is to be happy in this universe. If you thought it was going to happen... Too bad. There are other storylines, though, <laughs> that ended here. I mean, Locke, for instance, let's talk about that briefly. Um, you know, I was just saying how the Boltons were o- quickly overtaking the Lannisters as the most badass family, that they were they're, – they're bullies, they're huge, they're becoming just a really big nuisance up north. And, you know, Roose Bolton sends Locke to find and kill Bran and Rickon so that his reign of the North as warden goes uncontested. And that, that was a huge deal. Like, I totally expected Locke to last a little bit longer. Um, and I don't know how this is in the books, but that was a pretty big, I guess, potential for a, a whole big plot issue that was just, like, resolved. It was extinguished like a flame. I think we knew Locke was going to die. Yeah. It's just See, a matter of though. who was going to kill him. I had no idea. Well, well, yeah, I mean, we didn't know either, but we knew. He is, I mean, he's, he's a fairly competent guy. I mean, he cut off Jamie's hand, which he did while Jamie was tied up or whatever. But still, I, I think that uh, due to his scouting that was introduced in this episode, you know, his ability to quietly um, walk in on everybody and, and count them. Look, I, I just think he was a probably a decent, uh, decently skilled uh, hunter, you know. So sure. I, I had no idea his death was coming that easily until he started threatening um, Hodor. <laughs> So. Yeah, well, Hodor's Hodor in that scene actually meant Jamie sends his regards. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I translated it. Um, it took a little time, but we were able to um, to figure it out. But thanks for thanks for doing that, Mike. Kate mentioned family reunions. We did kind of get a family reunion at we the did. end of the episode. We did. I was I was actually um, very pleased with this because it 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 is so frustrating. You're just like, yeah, they're so key. Can reach out and touch. No, Bran, come back. What are you doing? And then you do. You get to see John and Ghost reunite. Oh. And I saw, I saw a comment somewhere about how this was more emotion that that uh, John shows anybody else in the entire show is his oh. his reunion <laughs> with ghosts. It's except maybe one. Sam. But uh, yeah, and Sam. Ghost got a uh, a kill in just before that. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's good. so th- that's good stuff. Look, it was a very I, I Jurassic just, Park moment. Yes, yeah. not knowing the facts. Raptor like, no, uh, yes. or or I was thinking Dilophosaurus. Dilophosaurus. Yeah, Raptor. I'll just go with Raptor. The one that ate Newman was the Dilophosaurus. Yeah, Dilophosaurus. yep. There you go. The what? one that spits the poison. The spit. Yeah, it was a, yep. yeah but it was a little spit. too quick for that. I think Raptor is more astute. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, just knowing the facts in this book, you said this on a previous episode that all the mutineers, like it doesn't happen in the books. They just they're just all dead. Um, the fact that the show had the kind of insight to 
create this scene where a lot is at stake and really they manufactured this notion that the mutineers could give secrets to Mance about the wall mm -hmm. should they be taken before. So, so John had to go and, and, you know, obviously stop this from happening. The end result is the same. All the mutineers are dead, but there's just a little bit more of that made for TV drama which is yeah. just really, really cool. And our hearts have been tugged at a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, we've had all this stuff to talk about, about what's happening up north. And it's all due to this creation of the writers, which I just, I like it. I like everything that I've seen up here. And these character, little nuances that we discovered, much prefer it to just having seen uh, or heard that the mutineers were dead off screen. I think yeah. it did a number of different things for a number of different storylines. I think it answered the question, where was Ghost? Uh, because John mentions that earlier on in the season. It helps to build character for Bran and Jojen. And it put to rest the storyline with Locke. It also, I think, really well set up the whole reason why John's going out here in the first place is because uh, Thorne sees the potential for John to become the next Lord Commander. And mm. by sending John out after these mutineers, he thinks he's as good as dead. That's and, true. I forgot about that. And so John coming back is going to cause a lot of problems for Thorne, for Slint. But the whole reason behind this was to help establish this storyline, which I think is going to become even more important as the, the war between the Night's Watch and the Wildlings it shows up in these next couple of episodes because they're going to need somebody to wow. lead them. I, yeah, that, that definitely, I think it bodes well for John that he was successful here. Um, now I, I have a question about the women, um, mothers, sisters, daughters, wives, where are they, where do you think they're going to go? Do they have, uh, or, you know, maybe through their oral history or myths or something like that, a place where they should be looking to go or, are they? Re I understand why they didn't want to go with the crows. Okay, fair enough. They're going to go enough. make pancakes with children of the forest. <laughs> I mean, do you think they're associated with the children? Because I'd like to go. I don't like know. I it's... think they're going to join up with the wildlings. That would be the smartest thing to do. But the wildlings are marching on the wall. Right, but they're they're bringing all of their women and children with them. It's it is it's everyone. It's not just soldiers. Oh, it's so, a family picnic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's everybody coming south. So I think. The smartest thing would be to join up with them. It's, it has to have come to their mind at some point living in Craster's Keep that the day could come where they would need an escape plan or they would need somewhere to go. So between all of those women, I'm sure that they have some kind of idea of what they want to do. Okay. Well, I, I certainly hope some of them are carpenters because um, they, they just – they burned their only shelter. <laughs> Hope they can build another one. Um, we were talking about Bran earlier, and before we wrap this up, I have a sort of a final question about you guys. Um, we know he's been warging into at least the wolf for a fair bit of time. His closest friends have stopped him and said, look, you gotta stop being the wolf, start being the boy. Um, you know, do you guys think, going back a couple episodes now, um, as I do, that it that uh, Summer was, was captured a little too easily? Um, because he's warging into summer, he gets distracted by ghosts and then falls like down a snowbank into a trap, like right away. I'm just like, couldn't his, shouldn't his wolf senses have been more acute to be a little bit more careful about something like that by now? I mean, shouldn't Bran be a better wolf than he is a kid and not have gotten caught? Or do you have any comment at all no, on that? I think it's, I think it was mostly just a plot device of convenience. Um, you have to put Summer out of the picture so that Bran can be captured and not be rescued easily. Um, I well, wish I had. Fair. I wish I had something more insightful, but I, I think it was just like okay, writers. The writers have to write Sam Summer out of the picture for right. Something. I agree. Well, the direwolves are. I mean, that makes sense to me. The direwolves are a trump card, and you just have to be careful when and where yeah, you play them. Absolutely, I think it was to help advance the plot and give a reason. As as Kate pointed out, I think that that's. Um, the only reason why I don't think he was getting careless or, you know, being reckless. I think it was just a matter of they needed a way to set up this particular storyline, and that just happened to be a good way to do it. Well, and the reason the reason I bring into this discussion is because I expect in the future Bran not only to hone his skills working to humans. I just think it's inevitable, 
Um, but even being a better wolf or scouting, you know, with his wolf sense and we'll kind of see him having to survive by using those extra senses that he gets from being a warg. I just expect to see kind of more, was it Orel is the guy who, uh, could warg into a falcon? Eagle, yeah. So just like him, you know, scouting out, flying ahead, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. I, ex- I expect to see Bran doing that with the wolf. And if so, his senses should be a little better. It's all about that. Good point. I'm, I'm looking but... for some, looking for some wolf kid. Thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> a plus. Let's, yeah, thumbs it. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> Let's move on then to a long-promised segment. Uh, for the first time in recent memory, we pushed Owens, listener Owens, off to uh, this Friday episode where there is more, simply more room for them. So a number of you have sent in your Owens on Twitter, uh, which you can do by just tweeting at us at Game of Owens, as well as on Facebook. Uh, we do have a number of people who scrawled upon our wall, and uh, we don't want to leave you all out so we will be sure to read your comments as well and uh, i think the owns were were pretty solid this week i think they ranged across a number of different uh scenes and a number of different characters uh so i think it's that time we will start with the Sorry, tweety bird no it was good there the first go. time even better the second time there you go. better yeah that's what Lysa said. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty sure she was too busy going, Ugh! Oh, you were so convincing as uh, Lysa Aaron. That was a really right good now. impression, yeah. But uh, now I do think it is time for... Eric Skull reads the tweets. In however long it takes him or less. First, we have a question posed to us from... No questions, Mario move on. Ota. <laughs> yeah, it's a quick question. If I sent in an own in Arabic, would you read it? We can try. How would but we do that? If you send it phonetically, we will. Yes. How's that? We will make Eric do it. Kevin Lysander says, My own goes to Littlefinger. He's always been my favorite character, and this season I can finally show everyone why. <laughs> Hashtag mastermind. That was a, that was a big uh, topic on Monday's show. Mm-hmm. Just a random sent in and said, Danny taking charge and deciding to rule in addition to liberating. Close second, seeing Littlefinger squirm at the thought of Liza. <laughs> yeah, he looked like he was going to barf in his own mouth. He probably did a little bit and then kissed her. <laughs> and she liked it. Another own for, oh gosh, another own for uh, Baelish from Grace. What the Grace on Twitter. Baelish is literally the embodiment of chaos. Next to the definition of chaos should be a picture of Peter Baelish. That's well, as you said on Monday, Kate, uh, all men must die. Right? All men must die. Ida Askoff sent in Huster Tully owned cat by commanding a septa to make sure she doesn't get fat. Must have been super fun for teenage Catlin. Yeah. With that story that uh, Liza told Sansa, right? Yes. That's rough. I didn't catch that, but it must have been in there. Yeah. She said that Cat loved the lemon cakes just like Sansa does, but then she got fat. And that she wasn't marriageable, so they made her go on a diet. Here's a very visual own from Sheila Goss, who says, No words, just facial expressions. Hodor looks at his bloody hand. Sansa hears Liza's plans. (laughs) Peter knows he's been had. Well done, well done. Yeah, well done. Olsen Doyle says, My own goes to Littlefinger for being the biggest plotter in all of Westeros and setting the whole show into motion. Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, Joe Schaefer, owned to Dorne for apparently being the only place they don't hurt little girls. I agree. That's that true. Is a standing O to That's an, an excellent... Um... Uh, Victoria, my own goes to Ghost for his revenge. <laughs> uh, and for John's awesome sword planting skills. Hashtag headshot. That was right where it needed to be. Emily... My own goes to Peter for being the smartest shit in the game. Started from the bottom, and now we're here. Okay, Johannes Meyer says, My own goes to Sophie, Maisie, and Isaac for rocking it out of the park this episode. Gary Maness says, Props to Pod for his uncanny campfire skills and sincere honesty on serving Tyrion. Hashtag one of a kind. <laughs> Margo says, The Hound, which is his own hashtag. Hashtag The Hound. <laughs> Owned Arya, but at least he gave Needle back. That's true. He was he was uh, kind of scary in that scene when she stabs him in the stomach and he looks at her. I was like, oh shit! And then he he actually just like punched her in the face, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like punched I he was a little girl break in the face. Needle would have added insult to injury. Yeah. Josh Murdoch, this week's best own brand taking over Hodor to snap a neck. Um, you know, I'm gonna disagree with that. You disagree to which part? That it's an owned? Yeah, I don't feel like that's 
particularly Oni. I, I, I'm a little. Oni. Um, he I owned am... Yodor's free will. He exactly. owned his body. That's, that's true. He did. Hey, Sir Charles, uh, you got a you got a friend and fan here. Sir Charles says Kate is really on another level. She wins my own. Ah, thank you, Sir Charles. <laughs> Scott Taskinen points out something really interesting. I think it's known. Have you all noticed that when Arya calls the Hound a shit, it's the first time we've heard any of the Starks cuss? Really? Interesting. Uh, Nicole says Sansa owned. She put into action everything she's learnt and manipulated batshit crazy Liza to think she's a stupid little girl. You guys think she was playing the game in that season, in that uh, scene, or was she just desperate? I think she was doing what was best for her in that situation. And we'll finish with Sir Stoneheart, who says Liza owned this podcast and renamed it Game of Moans. <laughs> 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 wow that might oh, be the best boy. one that's we're just gonna, that's the title of this episode Game by of the way Bones. yep so that's it for owns uh, but we do have a question here i want to talk to you mike about this uh james c ferguson says dragons can probably get to the veil right i mean you know someday mm-hmm. someday okay. it's possible i mean they that- do fly they have so wings, I think yeah. That birds can get up there too. Yes, until Robin throws them out the moon door. Yes, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, as mentioned earlier, we did get a ton of uh, owns on Facebook. So just want to go through a couple of them. Uh, we do appreciate you giving us your owns in a multitude of different ways. Uh, Marla Joe Kelly says, "My own goes to Longclaw, John Sword, for the goriest Game of Thrones sword death we've seen in a while. I had to cover my eyes." <laughs> See you later, Carl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, won't miss Carl. Dwayne Roberts says, I think Lysa Aaron owned this episode, first with her big bomb about poisoning John Aaron, and then by going from super nice to totally effing cray-cray with poor Sansa. Also, the entire let's get married now and the crazy moans must have given Daenerys chills across the narrow sea. She's not going <laughs> to want to go back to King's Landing anytime soon after that. Yeah. I just think that that's why Agreed. nobody wants to go to the Erie and try and take it is because they just don't want to get closer to her crazy for fear of catching it. Yeah, no, I think that's it. Patrick K says, Kate Dickey's scenes were all fantastic. Great to have her back on the show, especially Lysa and Peter's scene together was hilarious. Also, another secret finally revealed, which leads me to my own. Obviously, it has to go to Littlefinger for triggering the War of the Five Kings. Oh, yeah. Okay. See? See? Everybody's with me, guys. Everybody agrees. It's just a different way of saying what we said, but still cooler. Sounds cooler. It the sounded cooler. Way cooler. Way cooler. Uh, War of Five Kings. All on uh-huh. Peter Baelish. Uh, Shelby Lynn Walker, the skirmish at Craster's Keep was definitely one of my favorite moments. The own goes to both Bran and John for bringing about some truly messed up deaths for very deserving men. Stephanie Van Deens says, I won't be watching anymore due to lack of nudity. Uh, well, we, <laughs> well, we apologize uh, for lack of nudity on this past week's Game of Thrones episode. Um, Katrina Powell, also her own goes to Peter Baelish. By the sound of it, he certainly wasn't giving her the little finger. Oh, Jesus. Good oh, Lord. Jesus. Stop the podcast. I need to go pray. Was, see? See, this is why we have to go to Facebook. More often. This, this is why you just justified all of our years spent going to Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, one own. William Robert Higgins says, I like the conversation between the Red Viper and Cersei. Jon Snow owned Tanner's head with Longclaw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pamela says, Queen Danny owns. How does one become queen? By being the queen. Okay. Michael Davis says, Jojen telling Carl he was going to die. Yeah. Uh, Ruby Kennedy own goes to both Bran and Hodor for snapping the neck of an incorrect storyline off. Ouch. <laughs> Sick. That, my own goes to that Facebook post. Uh, Andy awesome. Smith. <laughs> Andy Smith says, no milk lips. Oh, Jesus. Referring to oh. little Robin. But I love, and I, we didn't mention this, how the first shot is of him resting on her bosom. It was, yeah. Because you can you get the sense without them needing to show it, you get the sense it's possible that she's still weaning him. Let's see one more here. Uh, Cody Gordon says my own goes to Jojen because even though he's very sick, he was able to use his wit and buy enough time to save his sister Mira. Yep. 
And we did get um, one more here. Brandon Cruz or Cruz says, Kate is great. <gasps> thanks. <laughs> thanks, Brandon Cruz or Cruz. Yes. Cruz. The reviews are pouring in. <laughs> we do get a lot of people who wrote in on Facebook. And, uh, you know, it's always great. There's so many different ways for all of you to get in touch with us. And we love reading what you have to say on the show because in reality it makes the show. So, and, and, you know, not that I'm being biased or anything, but I like the point made by Susan Smith here really quick. She says deep bow to Micah for noticing sweet Robin throwing the bird out of the moon door. I wasn't self-promoting or anything. Yeah. There. Yeah. You want to read the, the one that's the deep bow to Micah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. No, it's cool. Deep bow. Well, I just read by the one means. that says Kate is great. Um, <laughs> I, I let's find let's find a nice thing about Eric. Well, you well, might be searching for the, a while. The yeah. cover photo is of Eric and Alfie <laughs> Allen. Well, that's a nice thing. <laughs> oh, it's that it's that photo. Okay. That was a that was an attempt to lead in to uh, to Eric talking about all the different ways that uh, you can contact us on the show to give us your owns or just to say hello. Well, uh, on Twitter, you just need to tweet at us at Game of Owns on Twitter. Simple as that. As long as you're signed in, you shouldn't encounter any problems. On Facebook, you can scroll upon our wall, our Facebook wall. I don't know if I said that clearly enough in the last episode. It's a Facebook wall. That's why we say scroll on the wall. Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Or you can also email us. Not only owns, but longer thought-out letters, comments, anything like that. And our email address is contact at gameofowns.com. You know, I actually have an email here that I would like to read. From Tom Bayless, just sent in uh, on the seventh. It's uh, this is exactly this is a good example of what you can do with email because it's longer than 140 characters and a little bit more personal than you would want to put on people's Facebook walls. Hey guys, in a very saturated podcast universe, for this very addictive multi-layered television show, you guys nail it. It's concise, well-produced, and you don't have to spend half of the episode apologizing to listeners for comments you made in the previous episode, okay? <laughs> we didn't do that this episode, right? Um, Not that I know of. I don't apologize You're right, for anything. Screw and as a non-book reader, mm-hmm. I'm thankful to get tons of unspoiling and thoughtful book background each episode. Not to mention the addition of Kate. Brilliant and intelligent <gasps> new guys. Plans. She almost this is, makes this is what's the happening. Our listeners show are pitting yourself. us against. <laughs> Our you listeners are pitting us against each other, and I, I think this is they're doing their own little Game of Thrones. Sunday, you're all on your own. It's no. just you. Outside of the praise, is anyone else extremely excited for the potential meeting between Oberyn and the Mountain? If oh my this gosh. if this doesn't happen in the books, and I have no idea. If it does, but if it doesn't, I would gladly could collect petition signatures for DB and, and DW to change the script. Though in thinking that, I suddenly remembered from the first trailer for season four, we saw a glimpse of Oberyn fighting in one-on-one comment, uh, combat. I went back and watched, and sure enough, there it is, Oberyn spinning or doing some kind of crazy red viper shit against one man with a very big sword in front of a crowd. As a huge fan of the character... This is mid-90s pay-per-view Tyson versus Holyfield. Win or lose, here's hoping that Oberyn takes more than just an ear. And, oh, also, this is Craig, sent in an own. Own goes to the Eerie's Baker for cutting and juicing three crates of lemons for the lady's presumed adopted brother's fat-ass bastard niece. (laughs) Wow. Well done. Uh, well oh done. God. And he signed it, Love Craig. This is what I'm talking about. Oh, actually, I said it was oh, Tom Craig. Bayless. That's how it came up in the email, but apparently this is Craig. Uh, Tom, Craig, Craig's thank having you, a thank uh, you. personality thank complex. You. Yes, this is this is why I meant it's more personal. They said they, he signed it, Love, and that is the kind of email that we oh, love to get. And you. if I were a betting man, um, I would say that, Craig, uh, your comments about the Red Viper and the Mountain – have a high percentage chance of happening. Well, that was Tywin's bargain, wasn't it? That uh, in exchange for Oberyn being a judge, I could be misremembering. Yes, well, uh, I think all of that will play out in due time, and it's a very interesting storyline to watch develop. But I think it's important that we leave the show on a positive note. Craig sends us all of his love, and what better way to end a Friday episode than with that? Beautiful. No better way. There is all no better way. Is love. There is da, iTunes, da, 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 da. and we have had plenty of reviews pouring in, and we will get to them and read them 
uh, on an upcoming episode. It's just been so much has gone on uh, in these last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. They've been jam-packed, and we haven't even been able to keep one show in one episode. There's just too much to talk about. So that's I think that's a good problem to have, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. It's, we, are, we are in the thick of it. I think season four is my favorite season so far. Mm-hmm. I think it's... It's, it's, it's and clear. it just gets better. Yeah, and yeah. did you guys? I think you, this is old news by now, but um, this episode crossed seven million viewers, and that puts it even ahead Finally. of The Sopranos, I believe. Yeah, I think it's it's blowing records out of the water now. But it's important to remember the same types of um, avenues, shall I call them, to watch the show were probably not available when That's The true. Sopranos was around. Yeah. So not but not to are, downplay very... it, not to downplay it in any no, way. No, 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 no. But we're very glad that they are around yes, now. Absolutely. I assume that the numbers don't count the. Amounts of people who are torrenting the show, and they do have numbers for that. They just don't add them into the official Nielsen. This is how many people. Tune interesting, in, so. interesting. Well, because the, uh, there have been articles where they said this. We know exactly how many people are pirating the show, and we love it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's really so. cool. I think that they embrace that as opposed to try and fight it. Um, but I do think that this brings our Friday episode to a conclusion, and yeah, uh, I've had a lot had of fun. Some laughs. We have some of those. Owens have been God. Really, I, I was uh, watching my audio spiking. Really I, whenever, whenever I would start laughing, I'm laughing so hard. These owns are hilarious. Please that's, keep sending in hilarious owns, making that's me. That's why crack we do this up. show. We so love it. Funny. We we bring Gosh, we bring owns from one listener to the other. That's come, what we do. Uh, <laughs> and join us, or well, I should actually say, join Kate on Sunday's episode uh, no. at Craig's request. It will be all her. She will review episode no, will six this of season lie. four. Eric, Don't. Zach, and myself not... will be taking the night off. That is not and, true. Uh, she will do a very unbelievable monologue for all of you for 60 minutes. Uh, yes, Kate will be joining you all uh, Sunday for The Laws of Gods and Men. I believe this one is written by Brian Cogman. Is that correct? It is. Yeah, there was somebody talking, but it ended up being an ad on the webpage I was looking up. I was like, who's talking? It's like, I'm an irresponsible teenager. It was an ad for car insurance. <laughs> it was really awkward to hear at the end of as we're closing the show. But yes, we have all grown past our awkward teenage phases. Thank you very much. Uh, and we're pleased to bring you this podcast twice a week and we will see you on Sunday all of us will be there we were joking and Zach and it'll be a lot of fun have a lovely weekend good night everybody good night